Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner here with you on the Illini Enquirer podcast. And today we're going to focus a little bit on a kind of wrapping up spring ball. As today, it was Wednesday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you, Joey. How are you? Uh, I don't watch Star Wars. I know what you mean. <laughs> I am good. It's been a, it's been an interesting day on the football front a little bit. Uh, never never watched Star Wars. Just not interested. It's kind of like me with Marvel. Um, I, I, I enjoy the Marvel movies. I just haven't sat down and watched all 38 of them. Um, I'm, I'm a busy man with the children and with the website and the podcasts and all that. Uh, so I just haven't done that. So any reason you haven't gotten into the Star Wars? No, man, I just never, I remember I went to a field trip in like sixth grade and I don't remember what Star Wars it was. And I was sitting there like, what am I doing here? I don't want to be here. We paid like $10 for this movie. I don't care what's happening. And I never, I, I don't watch a lot of movies, dude. Like I can watch three or four episodes of an hour long show and be okay. But in a movie, I just feel like I'm there forever. Man. I don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I need Twitter. Being around people. Is that not your thing, Joey, in a movie theater? Movie? No, dude. I'm not going to go pay. You can get, let me get a slushie and get out of there. I, mean, I don't need to pay the, the overhead cost here. At this point in my life, Joey, going I've missed it. I used to go to a movie theater, Lante and I. Maybe it's because we're a little bit older and we had kids. But going to a movie theater by yourself, getting a big tub of popcorn and a huge pop. Oh, it's heaven. Heaven for two hours. Don't got to think about anything else. Uh, but no, that's not what we're going to talk about here on this podcast. <laughs> Joe, you and I can actually hit on basketball a little bit, and, and we'll do that here in a second. But we do want to talk about football. Um, big position change with Isaiah Williams going from quarterback to wide receiver, the long speculated move. Also, Marquez Beeson sticking at that position. And Brett Bielema's first comments on Art Sikowski, uh, the new Rutgers transfer quarterback, and just a lot of other things. Brett talked with us for about 45 minutes today and was generous with his time about it uh, but before we get into all that joy let, let us address basketball because it has amazed me that we have not heard anything from kentucky yet and uh so this is going to be kentucky's to announce but from everything we've heard everything everybody's heard it's that chin coleman and orlando antigua are both heading to kentucky and a huge staff shakeup for both john calipari and for Brad Underwood, that after such a great season with two guys who meant so much to that roster that you constructed, Illinois now needs to replace those guys. Now, I think they're actually in a better place now to hire assistants than they were when Brad Underwood came in here. And, and Josh Whitman reportedly put a bunch of money on, Chen, on at least Orlando Antigua that we know of and, and was willing to give a raise to Ching Coleman as well. Uh, but there's always a bigger fish, unless you're John Calipari, apparently, or, or Mike Krzyzewski, or, or North Carolina, or Kansas. Uh, but those are the Blue Buds for a reason, and the Blue Buds come calling. And I, I can't blame Ching Coleman. I mean, what a rise he's had over the last 
last decade and Orlando Antigua is going somewhere where he knows he can get the best players. He knows he'll be at even more of a national spotlight. So I can't blame those guys for going, but obviously for Brad Underwood, there's a huge turning point in his program where there's at least instability right now. I think that's that's the scariest thing is I have no doubt, Joey, he's going to land some very qualified candidates here. It's just in the meantime, the instability and the unknown for your program is never a great thing, uh, at least at this time of year. You feel like you can put together a good roster, but you just got to keep it together right now. Yeah, I mean, this time of year and, by the way, the transfer rule has passed right and, and that and I, look i'm not saying i know anything two ways well you know any interest in exiting illinois as a player but i'm just saying at a time where you can do it free of charge basically it, it just adds another layer to, to this uncertainty and this illinois fans perpetually feel on edge of of like okay what's next what's going to happen next and and really jeremy a lot of this is one it, it is a big shakeup. orlando antigua and chin coleman are good coaches. They're plugged in. They're good recruiters. They are. They have their fingerprints all over this roster. There's no doubt about that. Ask Iota Sumu about Chen Coleman, and you might talk to him for an hour and a half about everything Chen did. But the, the angle of just the, the shock value, right? And it's like, okay, it's not like one leaves, they replace him, and then another leaves. It's like two right there. And it's your two guys, like your two pillars of assistant coaches and so you know now it's like oh my gosh this is definitely going to look so different whereas if it was one in may one in july and you you kind of have a, a buffer window there it's just all at once happening and i don't you know i don't blame chin orlando makes so much sense right he and cal go back all the way back cal i you know really needed orlando right like that that was not kentucky like we've known kentucky with Cal and Orlando and him have a very good rapport. And I don't really, I mean, it's no surprise to me that Orlando would go and, and want to help out somebody who is there for him. And Chin, it's good for him, man. I, I mean, it's a continue to move forward. Uh, I know people can argue, was this a lateral move for him? I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I'm not trying to to push a knock on Illinois basketball, but it's Kentucky, Kentucky basketball <laughs> like Kentucky I, I, basketball well, it's, is Kentucky basketball for reason. And it's not like Kentucky under Tubby Smith either. This is Kentucky under John Calipari. No matter what you think of him personally and what you think he does to get players, whatever you think, he does it incredibly well. And he gets great talent, which is a huge part of the job. And for most years, he's going very far with them. And he gets a lot out of them. And he is he has helped develop a lot of, what would I say, 100 millionaires? Right, like think about how many guys that he have gone through that program have gone on to be hundred millionaires in the pro and pros, and it's not you know like it's not like they would have been that anyway. Like some of those guys would have been, but he really helped develop them. And I think you compare him to what like Coach K has done with those kind of talents. And Zion was great, but Cam Reddish, even though he was a lottery pick, he didn't develop that much. And you know, like some of those guys, RJ Barrett didn't develop that much. And you know, Jalen Johnson, I didn't think have a great freshman year this past year. Kentucky this past year didn't, but man, like he keeps developing uh, lottery picks, and they they go first round uh, when they go to Calipari most of the time. So um, he's just a different. He's at that different level, and and it is Kentucky. And when you heard Kentucky is interested in both of them. 
no matter what Whitman did, I thought it would be very, very difficult to keep either of them just because it's such a great opportunity. You have Kentucky, you have John Calipari on your resume. I think it does make Orlando Antigua more appealing for the next uh, head coaching job. I think it puts Chin Coleman on a fast track to all of a sudden. Now he's recruiting for Calipari. DeSumo was a huge line on his resume. Adam Miller was a huge line on his resume. He's recruited some other kids here outside of Chicago that was great for Illinois, including Brandon Podzimski. But I, I think now he can go get five stars at Kentucky. That just elevates his career track so much. And he's probably a couple years possibly uh, from a head coaching gig. So um, for both those guys, like I thought Orlando Antigua and when Underwood hired him, I didn't think he'd be here four years, to be honest with you, Joey. So uh, I thought at some point, whether it was this year or next year, he was probably going to go somewhere regardless. Uh, but losing them both at the same time is so tough. And let's be honest, I mean, Gonzaga still has an assistant coaching job out there, and Stephen Gentry is a Gonzaga alum. And, and obviously Mark Few knows him really well. So it's just that this could be a crazy year where you you have the best year you've had in a long time, and then you might have to replace – you know you have to replace at least two of those guys, and what if you had to replace all three? It's just – it's crazy. And I think Underwood could get great candidates. It's just like a hard reset. Only it's not like, Joey, you resetting your Nintendo. It's like your older brother <laughs> pulling the plug, and you got to go back and start the game over again. You know, not only are they having to replace at least two assistant coaches. By the way, they have to replace Ivan Desumu. And like we're looking at this stuff that isn't basketball players at this point. And maybe point, Kofi right? Coburn, right? And maybe Kofi Coburn, and, and that is a tall task. I will say, Jeremy, it is Kentucky who came calling. It's in the same way that most times when you cover a recruit, and it's okay, so and so's in, so and so's in. Kentucky offered, and then the tenor of the conversation always changes to, well, they've you know if they push. You know, it's, it's Kentucky. It, it's the same thing in football if Alabama, if Ohio State, if Clemson, if Notre Dame. If those teams start to get involved and they want to be involved, it's just this aura of what these programs are to their respective sports, and, and it's hard to overcome. And it's not all that different if you're an assistant coach, right? I mean, it's it's a little different, right? a little bit, but the same thing. It's like, ooh, it's Kentucky, and it's this – being that is this program and it, it's hard to turn away from so i, I don't if there's I one silver it. lining it's that you are a good enough program and had good enough people that people want to steal from it but it just i don't i don't know how many fans are taking solace in that right now probably not a lot right now um, that might take a little bit of time but i understand it i, I understand all of this is kind of like bubbling. It's, it's more than bubbled up. But, all, you know, on the bottom of it is that the loss too early, in their opinion. Right? Yes. So it's just it's this whole melting pot of just like, yeah. oh, my gosh. And because and if, like, if, you had made, if, if you had made a Final Four and these guys are stolen away, you just say, thank you, guys. Thank you for what you did. We'll be fine. Everything's everything's cool here. We, we made the Final still Four. still cooking back beers from the parade right. at this point if you made a Final Four. So I, I understand all the emotions that go into it. Uh, but college basketball, man, when you start getting into the echelon that Illinois wants to be in, Things like this happen where they poach from your staff and not always do it once to the same school. Uh, probably more times than not, it isn't going to be that. Yeah. But you know, all of this stuff is just kind of part of being, quote unquote, back, right? And it, 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 it's, it's tough that goes into it, but it goes into it. Yeah, and, and I'm going to have a podcast with Piper where we kind of break down candidates or who we think could be in it, who we hear. And 
Um, my biggest thing right now would be keeping that roster together. Uh, and, and Underwood has a, has a big role in that. And I don't think Kentucky's going to steal uh, anybody from, from Illinois. I don't see that happening. And I, I don't think Chin and Orlando would want to do that. And to be honest with you, I don't think Kentucky has to do that, right? They can go try and land Ty Ty Washington or, or, or CJ Frederick or uh, Marcus Carr, potentially like that. They go big game hunting. Not that, you know, somebody in Illinois roster, I don't even want to throw names out there to speculate. So fans freak out, but like, they don't even have to do that. So I, I don't think Cal will do that. I don't think Orlando and Chin would do that, but you do have to keep this roster together. It's important to get those hires in. And um, most importantly, this is, this is a test of Brad Underwood, the, the CEO of the program, right? Because Brad is, is leading everything and Brad deserves a ton of credit for all of this. But Brad's not getting this talent without Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman. Like they did so much heavy lifting. Brad is probably not the biggest fan of recruiting, to be honest with you. He does it, and like he obviously resonates with people, and he builds a great culture and X's and O's wise. I think he's done a great job, and I'm a big fan of what he does. But like you need guys who can get dudes. And Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman were able to do that. And now you have a roster still with some of those guys, whether it's Kofi coming back for another year, um, whether it's Andre Curbelo and, and the young guys you got coming in, Luke Goody, RJ Melendez, Brandon Podzimski. Outside of Goody, you know, they got all of them. Omar Payne involved in that. Coleman Hawkins. So, like, you got to go find other guys. And there are other guys that are available to do it, but you got to make it all work. And this is a test of, of Brad Underwood because every coach is going to have to replace coaches at some time. But you got to keep that culture going. You got to keep that program moving forward. And no one's expecting Big Ten championship or Big Ten tournament championship next year. But you got to make sure that the momentum doesn't all of a sudden just disappear, Joey. Because And I don't think it will. But it's just with all this uncertainty, it's it's a possibility. Change can can be good sometimes, and, and change can be really negative sometimes. Yeah, I'm with you. I, momentum's everything in college athletics, right? I mean, it's a buzz. How many you know, you're on TV? You're doing this. You're doing that. You're winning it. You you can sell momentum to recruits, man. You just do it. And and I'm with you. I don't think this is all gonna crumble beneath the feet of Brad Underwood. I I just don't think that's gonna be the case. Uh, well, and, and it's huge. You got Trent and Demonte back. Like, I, I think that's massive. We probably shoot. didn't talk enough about that. Um, but just to have them for another year gives you a little bit of stability and two guys that are basically coaches, right? Like on the floor. I, I will also say with you know with Chen and Orlando, what you said, you know, I I think Kentucky is interested in one their coaching acumen, right? I mean, Orlando has a book of guys bigs he's helped get better and i mean that you can't hide from that the same with chin coleman and the guards he's got a you know he's be building this book of guards that he's helped but they're interested in the that and the connections that these guys have on a macro versus the micro guys that they helped get on the illinois roster i'm suspecting i, I mean that makes sense in my mind to me uh, but yeah, man, it, it's it's a change that, that happens in, in college sports, and it's it's a lot to process, especially when it happens all at once. But this is a test. This is really huge test. I, I don't want to say this is the first big test for Brad Underwood because I certainly don't believe that it is. Though, as I say that, I am struggling to. Uh, well, the first two up. years, I mean, just taking over that roster was right, was, was rough enough, and then and, and he, to get the guys to come and to get the IOs, the COVID, I mean, that 
those are tests of, okay, we've stabilized the ship a little bit and now we're bringing in the talent, right? And it's just a process. And but this is huge. I, I mean, this is a huge test to, to get these hires, to get them right, to get them quickly, to get them, to get all of this where it doesn't, if this lingers out two and a half, three weeks, you might be looking around wondering what's going on a little bit. And three weeks, three and a half weeks is probably about the point where I'm like, anyone? I think it'll probably go quickly. It should go quickly. I don't think they've been sitting on their hands. Uh, no, we know waited. we know that. I mean, Brad's Brad's already underway. I mean, Kentucky might not have announced these things yet, but like they are. The, Brad is at work doing doing what he needs to do to get these guys in place. And I, I don't know how quickly that'll be with job postings and all of that, but he will have his guys pretty quickly here. And you know, Brad's got connections throughout the industry and an agency that knows what it's doing. So I, I have no doubt. Like I, I have, I think with what Brad has done what he has proven, what this program has done the last two years, having the best record in the Big Ten, and Josh Whitman giving a little peek of what his war chest could be. Now, I don't think they're going to spend 1.0 or $1.2 million per year on an assistant just because they would have in Antigua. Uh, I think that was different. Um, now, could they spend 600000 on the right guy or 700000 on the right Possibly. I think I think Whitman has shown that he is going to do whatever it takes to make sure this basketball program remains one of the best in the Big Ten and potentially one of the best uh, in the country. So I have no doubt, and from what I've heard, there are some really intriguing candidates like that are really interested, like high major, proven recruiters who are interested uh, in this job and in this program. And I think that's a credit to what Orlando Chin and mostly Brad uh, have, have built there. I think the Illinois brand right now is pretty strong. And, and I think for a lot of guys who might not be in the most stable position or are looking for, you know, an upgrade or whatever it is, I, I think Illinois is very attractive in the industry, even though this is kind of a weird time uh, to be, be adding assistance. It is. And I will say with Josh Whitman, he did, he gave us, I, I'm with you. I don't, I think that 1.0, 1.2 was, we really like Orlando. Everybody in the country really likes Orlando. Uh, we're not we're not going to go down without a fight. But I think Josh Osher also showed his hand, and this isn't new. He's a competitive cat, man. He he does not like to lose, and if he can make it work to to get what what he wants, what Brad wants, I, I think that it's just what we know of Josh, right? And I'm not saying he's gonna. You know, unfurl the bank for every last guy who calls uh, and every last interview that's set up. But if it's the right fit, I can see Josh really making a move. So, I don't know, man. We'll see. A lot of ball game left. Yeah, we'll have plenty more to, to break this down as we go along. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about wrapping up spring ball and some big position changes for Brett Bielema's program. That's next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. 
Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right joey we spent a lot of time the last time we were together on the podcast talking about art sikowski and basically speculating and being like yeah this guy this has to mean isaiah williams is moving to wide receiver correct um and that is the case and it makes a lot of sense to me. Brett Bielma uh, pressed on it a little bit today and, and did admit uh, something I heard the last couple of weeks that Isaiah played a little bit receiver during spring ball, but wasn't sure whether it was uh, a full position change. But Brandon Peters is is your starter right now. Art Sikowski, the Rutgers transfer, is coming in to give you depth, possibly the long-term starter. We'll dive a little bit more into him as we go along here. But no surprise, Isaiah Williams is going to wide receiver, which has been long speculated. Uh, he is talented enough to play quarterback, talented enough to make a difference there, but obviously is not like for most schools. He wasn't what they wanted in a quarterback. Uh, but it's also the reason we can talk about this and have speculated for so long, Joey, is he can be a difference maker at wide receiver on teams across the country. I mean, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, uh, Florida State, all these big-time schools uh, had, had offered him as a wide receiver. So now in Brett Bielema's scheme, makes a lot more sense there. And, you know, some people thought, would Isaiah be angry at this because he wanted to play quarterback? He got a shot. He got a shot from Ovi Smith's staff. He got a shot from Brett Bielema this spring. Uh, and I think he saw that, his best chance to get on the field, and to be honest with you, his best long-term shot at making money playing this game is probably at wide receiver, and he's going to get on the field if he plays wide receiver. So what were your thoughts, Joey, when, when Brett Bielema finally said, yep, this is happening? Yeah, I mean, certainly newsworthy, right? I mean, that that kind of dominated the presser, and it didn't take an awfully long time to, <laughs> to get it out. But not a surprise, Jeremy. I, I mean, it really – Really, could Isaiah have been a serviceable college quarterback? Yeah, yeah, I think he could have. I, I don't know what your definition of serviceable is, but I don't think he goes out there and spikes the ball into the ground twenty-five times a game. You know, I, he has skills at quarterback. It's not a, that's not a secret by any stretch of the imagination. 
But I think the Big Ten Network or one of its affiliates tweeted out a video today of all the times Isaiah made somebody miss in the open field. Uh, you can get into that situation much more frequently if he's a wide receiver. And and we we look, we can go back through all the offers that Tony Peterson and Brett Bielema have, have offered to quarterbacks. We can look at Brandon Peters. We can look at Art and we can say, okay, big arm, tall, pro style. If you go 24-7, these are all pro style quarterbacks, right? I mean, it's boom, 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 boom. I mean, it happens quickly. Isaiah is a dual threat. It's a little different. Uh, but I will also say, Jeremy, wide receiver is a position of need. I mean, it just is. And you have this guy who he could be your backup, and there's an awful lot of value in being a backup quarterback. Everybody, I mean, that's a, hey, it's good work if you can get it, man. Yeah. It really is. And you're, you're pretty pretty popular in a lot of circles <laughs> if you're the backup. Is Art Zukowski popular yet? I don't think he's popular yet. Um, probably gonna, again, maybe a little time. Uh, you know, that might, might take a second, but or you can put Isaiah out there right now and and give him a chance right now. I don't, you know, we'll see how soon right now is come fall, but that's where he can make a difference this season. And you still have Brandon on the field, who is really, I mean, we're we're getting some uh, some pretty good reads on, on Brandon. Physically, they love him. It sounds like or like him uh, enough because they they made this move and as they start to put the rest of this together, Jeremy, but it, it makes a lot of sense. It's not surprising. I mean, I don't think any of us on the beat fell out of our chairs in our respective Zooms when Brett no. said this. Um, but it changes a lot of the dynamic kind of around the quarterback room, around the wide receiver room. Uh, there's just a lot of moving parts to this, and we're not going to know how it all shapes out for a little bit. Yeah, let, let's get into that. Uh, number one, is my biggest concern about talking about this move because when we talked about the quarterback position in our huge podcast a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago we talked about like the way reason I'm nervous about moving Isaiah is because I'm nervous about what's behind him at quarterback once they added Sikowski who I think at worst, like I, I don't think he's freshman year at Sikowski at Rutgers where it was the worst situation. He wasn't ready and they just threw him in there because there's a desperate staff with this potential savior and they're just like, let's see what we got, right? Like that was unfair to him and he was terrible. Um, the last two years when he's gone in games, he's been serviceable. He's been a serviceable player who helped them beat Purdue, uh, helped them beat Maryland, last year so I don't think you go into next year with Art Sikowski as your starter and think great but I think you go in with him as your backup and be like okay at least we know we raised our floor a little bit there and we got another guy that we feel like if he goes in the game we got a chance to win in this offense right um but now you can put Isaiah who is your most talented skill player right at wide receiver now and we've seen it. You mentioned it, like the highlights of what he can do in the open field. That's not fluky. Now, he's got to prove he can catch the ball, he can run the route tree, all those things. He, he can take the punishment, right? I mean, yeah. but first, I should also – I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry, but we've seen him take a little bit of punishment at quarterback. Like, yeah. dude got hit a lot against Rutgers and got up every stinking time. Um, so uh, that but, came to my mind initially, but I think he'll be five, okay. 5'10", 180, 185, and Isaiah's gotten noticeably bigger since I saw him at Trinity Catholic. Like, he can play that. Like, he can play that position and be the slot receiver you've been trying to recruit for a really long time and give you a weapon that Tony Peterson can get really, 
really creative with and put it with Daniel Barker and Luke Ford and potentially Brian Hightower and Chase Brown and, you know, Reggie Love. And all of a sudden you're starting to look at those weapons and you're like, all right, this is a much more talented group. Like, think about it. Like, I'm Marquez Beeson is making a bigger switch for me than, than Isaiah Williams is. Isaiah Williams has been playing offense. He understands where he needs to be. Like, he's he's learned Tony Peterson's offense. He knows where those wideouts got to be. Now he's got to get with George McDonald and, and get those routes down and get the footwork down. But this isn't as new to him, right? Like, Marquez Beeson... It's he's got a defensive perspective. He played wide receiver in high school, but dude, he could just go out and run whatever he wanted. He's beating somebody. This is a little bit different. You got to be more refined. So, but Marquez Beeson is a top 100 prospect as an athlete. So if his knee is fine now, that's a huge upgrade talent wise. Isaiah Williams, former top 150 athlete that everyone wanted to label him as a wide receiver, but he wanted to play quarterback. Like that's a huge talent upgrade. So all of a sudden you're getting some of your best talent on the team. Hightower, um, Williams, Beeson, those are top two, four, seven talents. Jafar Armstrong, I think, was a top 500 prospect when he went to Notre Dame. Like all, That room got a lot more talented this spring. It did. and Just very uh, unproven. Well, <laughs> Just very unproven yeah. group. And look, I, I don't think the, this is probably apples to oranges, and, and certainly it is, but Isaiah Williams did line up a couple times in the bowl game at slot. So it's not like this guy has never stepped foot on a college football field at wide receiver. He has almost no experience doing it. Right. But I mean, there, there is, he has done it a, a little bit and, you know, he, he does have this playing time again, a quarterback, but he, he got us, you know, pretty good amount of snaps last year and all of that will help. But the wide receiver room, Jeremy is, I guess maybe in practice, on May 4th, it's not that different, right? I mean, we don't know what Isaiah is. We don't know what Marquez will, is or will be. It doesn't sound like they're going to be the same position. I will say that. Brent Bielema said there's three to four wide receiver positions within their offense, and they will be stacked on top of each other, which indicates to me Marquez is going to be a little more on the outside um, just because I don't imagine Isaiah Williams to be there. Yeah. But in theory, right, and, and I guess potential – this wide receiver room really changed a lot. And maybe that potential never reaches, right? Maybe the theory just kind of falls off, but it is there. And, and you could see the makings of a position group that we looked around a, a few times this spring, like, oh my goodness, uh, there's just not a lot here right now. And and then you add those two, the, the idea of those two and, and Jafar Armstrong. And now you have a little more depth that's not perfect. I wouldn't be surprised to see them still – kind of parse the portal a little bit to see who, you know, who, what other options they have. And they should, they should do that. But if the summer, if they can, you know, they're going to get the summer with tank, right. I, beginning sometime on uh, June 1st. And then as you get into training camp, there's a lot of months. I mean, there's not a lot, but there's also a lot for these guys to, to pick up at least the basic understandings and just let the athleticism maybe fill in, some of these shorter gaps that they might have as they really, you know, put all of this position together. And, and again, maybe it doesn't happen, right? Like we talked yeah. about this with Arthur the last time. It's like, yeah, eh, maybe it works and potentially. <laughs> I, I, I hate hedging on all this stuff. I know, but I feel like you have to. A little yeah. Bit. Cause like we, we want to make sure we're saying like, Hey, this receiver room isn't fixed yet. Right. But there definitely are better possibilities that that's Correct. the thesis statement. Right. And that's what Brett is trying to do is, 
find what pieces work, where they want, get it all shuffled up, and give us the best chance to win. And Isaiah Williams can make his biggest impact now that they've added Sikowski as another quarterback and more of what they want at the position, which I, you know, like I would rather have a quarterback who can move a little bit. And Sikowski, he can move a little bit, but he's a pocket passer. Brandon Peters is a little bit more athletic than Sikowski is. Sikowski can buy some time, but I think Brandon's a better athlete, can run a little bit more. In the future, I'd like guys more like Donovan Larry who can move a little bit. I think Sikowski's a little bit more. Um, true to the pocket but like i i like a guy who can have a little bit more dual threat but for what they want this is what's worked for them uh, it's worked for some other teams as well obviously wisconsin's worked really well iowa it's worked really well that's what they're at they're not asking their quarterbacks to be first second round picks right they're asking their their quarterbacks to be kind of another guy on the offense who just doesn't hurt them and, and makes the throws that need to be made and, you know, complements a running game that is supposed to be good and tight ends and running backs who are supposed to be good and then find some wideouts who can, who can make some plays. And that's what they'll find out is, is Cam Marquez and Isaiah do those things. I'm pretty high on Isaiah at the position, to be honest with you. I, I'm not going to sit here today and go, yep, he's Rondale Moore <laughs> or, yep, he's going to be – 50 receptions next year and, and, and lead the team and breakaway touchdowns. I, I don't know about that, but I, I'm high on his transition to that position. I, I think he can make an immediate impact, and I think he's going to be a potentially big part of this offense. Yeah, and that's, again, we've seen enough of him in college football playing offense to do – I understand how you got there, right? It's not like I'm like, I don't know, Jeremy, you're kind of on this island, man. You know, it's just well, the, the other thing is I, I know Isaiah – and, and I know who he is, and that kid is determined. That as Brett said today, he's a leader. He's a guy you want in your in your foxhole. And I think he's going to be driven now that he's not a quarterback. Like that, that's gone. Like that, that's not happening. He he gave it his best. That's not happening. And I I, I have no wish. I think he's going to stay here. I think he loves it here at Illinois, and he wants to make an impact. And I think he sees his future, like his 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 football futures at wide receiver. I think he's going to try to be the best damn wide receiver he can be and that's a kid who i think will like that that will happen be just because of the the guy I've, I've gotten to know over the last four or five years and i want to say i think the reason we're maybe a little hesitant to jump so both feet in with marquez is just because he's not played offense right i, I think to me that's the big and, and the injury right as he comes back so I don't, I don't want this to come off like isaiah can and marquez can't because i think we both understand that marquez can but to me, I just need a little bit more. I need to see a little bit more before I go all the way in in a similar way. But I, and, I and we didn't to, see him barely this spring, right? right. Not, not just because we didn't see practice, but he was out several practices right. Right. Uh, with an injury. And also, Jeremy, you probably know Isaiah better than anybody else who covers this team because you've covered this kid since he was – was he a junior? When did you first meet Started, Isaiah? I, I first covered a game when he was a sophomore. And it, it was – I saw – uh, no, he was a junior, and Mookie Cooper was a sophomore. I got to be honest with you. I saw Mookie Cooper, and he was different. He was even different than Isaiah. But Isaiah in the open field, I mean, his agility, his change of direction uh, is great. He's got good speed. Like, he's probably about 4'5", four, 4'5", five, four, five, five guy. Like, Mookie Cooper was like a 4'4". Four, four. He was just a different right. speed. But I think the thing with Isaiah is – Again, and Brett kind of acknowledged this in the sense of his exit meetings and not specifically with Isaiah, but just where college athletics are kind of as a as a whole right now is 
man, I can go try this thing out somewhere else one time and all this is cool. Like I'm going to give that a run. And, and what we see, and I don't really anticipate Isaiah going anywhere. I think you're right. He loves it here. He and Corey are, I mean, J- Corey Patterson are very, very close. Um, I, I actually Shimon, wanted to ask, Reggie and Frenchie are all still here. Right. And, and I wanted to ask Brett and, and maybe this will be a, a down the road type of thing, but I, I'm curious if he had any conversations with Corey uh, like, hey, how do you think this would be received? Uh, you know, what? Be, I think that would be a fair thing to ask a guy who's known Isaiah longer than anybody in the city of Champaign. Let me tell you a story. Like last, oh, this would have been maybe before the pandemic, or it was, it was right. I think last summer. Like I was at a camp down in St. Louis, and a, a guy I know who coached uh, Isaiah asked, "Are they moving him to wide receiver yet?" And I said, what? I go, he wants to be a quarterback, man. He goes, I know. But he know, like, he said, but Isaiah's future is at wide receiver. And he said at that time, I mean, he knows Isaiah. He said, I think he knows that. And I think he'd be okay with it. But they want him at quarterback, and he's going to do everything he can to be a quarterback. But I think Isaiah's always been open to this. I don't think he's been like, ah, no, never doing that. I'm transferring. I'm going to another program. I just think he wanted his shot to be a quarterback. And I think Lovey obviously gave him that shot. Um, and and I, Brett gave him that shot this spring. And, and Brett seemed to say today, we haven't been able to talk to Isaiah, that Isaiah was frustrated at times uh, at his position. And they came together. And I'm not sure. It's kind of like uh, to bring up the May 4th conversation. Uh, did Grito shoot first? I don't know. I don't know if Bielema or or Isaiah Williams brought this up, but uh, they came to the conclusion that they both seemed to agree that uh, this was best for him. And to shout out a little bit to Isaiah because he didn't just get out of town, right? I mean, he. I think that shows you that he cares about. I mean, he look. So after Brett's press conference, to give a timeline, it seemed to me that that Brett wanted to kind of let Isaiah at the time that he felt was right post, however, on social media or put out word, however, in, the, in whichever way he wanted to, that he was going to move. Uh, Brett did not mention him in a list of position changes, but when he was asked about him, he didn't hide. Right. I mean, Brett said, Hey, look, you know, he's moving to wide receiver and he, he's going to put out more. So I think kind of reading through, I think that's what he wanted, but I don't think if Isaiah was unhappy with the move that, would have been the case. Like, I don't think he would have reasonably thought like, yeah, he's not happy, but he's going to put this on social media to celebrate this move to wide receiver. That's just not how this is going. So I I think that also tells me a little bit that, you know, Hey, he's really a lot of it. And then you kind of put it all the rest of it together. He's cool. I mean, he's good with this. This is, uh, we're not talking about this if he's not. He's got an opportunity to be a starting big 10 high impact wide receiver. Right. We're not talking about this if he's not okay with it. Right. We're, we're, talk, we're probably having a different conversation, yes. right. but good, good for Isaiah, man. Good for him for, you know, he loved playing quarterback. He said it. I mean, and he's a really, really, I mean, he's a very, very bright kid very. With, with, as a quarterback and beyond and way beyond that, but good for him for, for sticking it out and, and not just hightailing out of here when it wasn't going to be that here. And here's the thing, Joey, you couldn't have that guy in the sideline anymore. You couldn't have him. You get away with it as a freshman, right? Like, okay, he's a freshman. You can buy a little time with that. You were losing time last year with that. You're running out of that a little bit. You can't have your best athlete standing on the sideline not doing anything for you. And that's why, you know, if Marquez was the third or fourth best corner and he's got a chance to be one of your better wide receivers in that rotation, 
Move him over. If Isaiah's your best slot receiver, which I think he's got the potential to be, or at least one of the top four wideouts on your team, move him over. Get him on the field. Let Brandon Peters throw him the ball and let Isaiah do some work, right? If if you feel comfortable with Brandon Peters doing everything else, well, still you can get Isaiah Williams the ball five to ten times a game uh, that way. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with this move, and I think Isaiah sees that, like, hey, this is the best way for, for me to impact the team and for me to uh, potentially impact my long-term football playing career. All right, Marquez is staying at wide receiver. We've gone through a lot of position changes we covered this. most of them in the spring too. I, I yeah. don't think there were a lot today. The one that jumped out, but like before Brett, before we got to Isaiah, the one that like put all the flags up for me was Cooper Davis, like <laughs> moving from outside linebacker to tight end. Not flags in a bad way, but it's like oh okay type of yeah. deal. And and then Isaiah happened, and then it was like that felt like a year ago. Brett said that. Yeah, Cooper Davis, uh, I think is a four three defensive end. Um, I thought when they moved him to outside linebacker, I was like, I don't know if that fits, but he's not big enough to kind of play the, the five technique or, you know, a defensive line uh, interior guy. So I think he was kind of a weird fit. So what do they do with everybody right now? They're moving him to tight end, see if it works out because they're looking for future guys behind Luke Ford and Daniel Barker. And he's a good athlete, big kid, really long kid. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that works out. They've had some success uh, in his past moving guys from, uh, defensive end to tight end, so we'll see how that works out. I do want to mention with wide receiver, they've been really scouring the transfer market for a really long time. But now with Isaiah Marquez locked into that position, I don't think they're just trying to get a guy. Um, they went after Jamison Williams hard. And Jamison Williams goes from Ohio State to Alabama. Alabama doesn't take many transfers, man. Um, so they must really like Jamison Williams, or they must think they don't have two more first-round draft picks like they had the last two years at that position. So uh, they take him, but Illinois was involved there. Another kid to look out for is St. Louis um, product, Notre Dame transfer. They go maybe get another one. Uh, Jordan Johnson, former top 247 prospect. They'll go big game hunting at that position. But now Cooper Davis moving. Uh, Mark Mondesier, I know, moved outside the linebacker. Makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but that wouldn't surprise me if they go try and find a pass rusher uh, as well because it's a position they're a little thin on, uh, both for, for the, the long term especially. But Gay, Carney, Coleman, you feel good about. But uh, Mondesier, I think, can play in a pinch there. But they might want to upgrade that if they can find a multi-year option there. Weirdly, Jeremy, like – I didn't think a lot about outside linebacker being thin as of two weeks ago. And this isn't just because they moved Cooper Day. I guess it just like kind of escaped me a little bit somehow. But I get all my focus was like, oh my God, inside linebacker. I'm totally the opposite now, by the way, like way the opposite here. I, I think you could maybe even move experiment in packages with one of those inside guys as a rusher. I, I think that opportunity like a, like a C.J. Hart opportunity would present itself. Um, Tariq Barnes can blitz. Yeah, I, I think there's some players there. But, yeah, long-term, they need something. Totally with you on wide receiver. If you can get a dude, right, as we talk about with basketball, you close it down and you make the move, man. You go get him. But it does change. It changes, again, it changes the outlook of the position for the better in theory. Um, we'll, we'll see more as this goes on. But, one position change, man, and there's a lot of different angles and elements and ideas to consider here. Well, one thing we did, and Brett brought this up himself, um, you're not keeping Isaiah Williams there. So, you know, Brand, the, the idea here is Brandon Peters is your starter. 
they're still trying to push him to be better. Art Sikowski started Big Ten games. He's got 15 Big Ten starts. Not all of them very good. Um, but Brandon Peters has, what, 20-something uh, Big Ten starts. Not all of them very good, right? right. Um, so at least you get Art there. If, if Brandon slips up, they could say, hey, we got this guy who's started almost as many games as you. Uh, so don't don't be too comfortable here. Um, so I think their idea is, and I know their idea is, Brandon for a year, Art is the, the insurance policy, but then Art learns for a year, learns the offense, and they get more out of him, develop him, his decision-making, all of that. And he's your guy for two more years because he's got three years of eligibility left. He's played three years in college, but he got a red shirt his sophomore year because he only played in three games. And last year was a free year. So you still got three years of eligibility out of him, and he's, what, 21 years old? Um, so you get you got some – age at that position now you got some experience at that position and he can be that bridge guy something that lovey smith staff didn't have early on uh didn't get which is a huge mistake for them so at least you have a bridge guy that can kind of just keep you afloat uh but you still want to upgrade um is that upgrade on the roster like is is there someone that can get in front of sikowski they don't make this move if they think so right so matt robinson karan taylor this feels like the last chance Right. So if you want to step up, you get, you know, if Karan Taylor wants to pass up Matt Robinson or, or Matt Robinson wants to be the number three guy or, or push Art Sikowski, now is the time. Uh, Deuce Span, man, he's got, he's got talent. He's six foot five. He runs incredibly well, like a track athlete. He's got a huge arm. Um, he's not very accurate, though. And, and that's, that's what he's got to work on. But ceiling wise, it's as high as there is. Uh, on this on this roster uh, with with Brandon and, and Art, so Samari Collier I think is coming from a really good DeSoto program, uh, more of a pocket passer actually than most of these guys we're talking about. Um, so for those guys, it's like hey, there's an open window here to be the backup guy next year to push Art next year. So it'd be very interesting to see what comes out of that because you know Isaiah was kind of blocking them. You thought hey, this is the guy for the next three four years. Um, Art Sikowski could be here three years, but uh, I, I think there's a little bit of an opening there, but it's only a little bit because then Donovan Leary is coming. Then probably next off season, they're adding someone else possibly. So uh, the guys behind them, I think it's now or never out, outside of Deuce and Samari. Yeah. What a great point on Isaiah uh, because he was kind of this block because after like this season, it got to the point where it's like, how can they move him any lower than two? You know, I mean, it it just felt like two was the floor, but I don't know that one was always the ceiling. I, maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe I sound like Michael Jordan babbling on at, at that North Carolina game, but I, I don't, I mean, if I were a recruit coming in, it'd be, unless I was like a dude, it'd be hard for me to think I was going to move Isaiah from out of that number two spot at, at worst. And then it's like, is he ever really going to be the number one? It, kind of a weird situation, not a knock on him. Just, you know, when you have a recruit like that, who is so coveted, it's, it's kind of a, from the outside looks like a weird thing, but now you're right. Like 2022 it's, Hey, who might be the backup in this thing here? Uh, and that's a really strangely, Jeremy, not a conversation we've had to have much for the last few years uh, because there were just a lot of backups and a lot of guys who was like, okay, yeah, like Isaiah is a backup. That makes sense. MJ Rivers, that makes sense. Matt Robinson, okay, that makes sense. But now it's like, oh, I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, I guess it could still be Matt, and I don't want to sell him short or Karan, but feels like there's more of a, 
an opportunity there that spot. It's just it's a it's it's a position that is and, and Brett mentioned it, like it gets so much attention. There's a reason. Right? Like this is this is the position that matters the most. Like so while his program will be built on offensive line, defensive line, running backs, tight ends, linebackers. And I imagine based on Brett's past, that's where the draft picks are going to come from, right? But you got to have a good quarterback option because even if it's Joel Stave or it's Brooks Bollinger or whoever is, is playing quarterback, who's a Tolzien, was basically Brett Bielma's guy all those years that they were playing so well, and then he got Russell Wilson. Like those guys have to still be really efficient. And Illinois has not had efficient quarterback play uh, for a very, very long time. Really, Nathan Shieldhouse was really the last one who was really, really efficient. So you got to figure that out, and they got to continue to upgrade. They think Art Sikowski is an upgrade. They think they can get more out of Brandon. And then future-wise, this ain't it, right? Like Art Sikowski, Karan Taylor, Matt Robinson, Deuce Span, Samari Collier, like Donovan Leary, there's going to be more changes to that quarterback room because you got to continually try and upgrade. So while we can pr- try and project this, it's going to look different in a year. It's going to look different in three years. Every quarterback room and every program, right? I, I mean, it, it really is. It, it's it's the hardest room to keep constant because there's always, always, always a need for it somewhere. Right. Like if you're the number three guy here, somewhere you can be the number two or number one guy. There's all, I mean, it's just changes. And you don't, it's not like there's a lot of guys who can switch from quarterback to another position. Certainly it happens. We just spent forever and a day talking about it. But if you're a quarterback, you're probably a quarterback. And like you, you got to find a way to maximize those skills somewhere. So there's always just turnover all the time. And you're right. It's, a year from now, Jeremy, we're going to be talking. And it's going to look way different. Yep. And that's just a fact of things. Anything else that stuck out today before we uh, say goodbye here, Joey, that uh, you want to get to about Bielm? Nothing today. I just, I just think Brett lets us in on a lot. I, I, I just, I'm still getting used to it. I think he really lets us <laughs> in on. It's a little different, huh? A, a little bit different. Um, no, no, he'll, he, he'll not answer sometimes. He'll go off on his own soliloquy that might not address the question all that much, but he does try to take us inside the program because you know what he knows that that takes the fan inside the program. And that is really important. Takes the recruits inside the program. Yeah. It's really important right now with a program like this. If you're Alabama, you're winning all those football games. You can be Nick Saban go, all right, I ain't going to do it. Like you can do all that, right? Like, Yeah, you can – well, it's not it's not the best, but, like, he says all right a lot. Um, you can do that, and it doesn't matter. People don't care. Just win, right? But when you're trying to build something, people want to feel like, okay, what are you trying to do here? Oh, I see it. All right, I'm going to go support him. Or I believe, like, that makes sense. Like, that's what he has to do, and he understands that part of the job. So um, I've been uh, more – like, I, I've – I didn't expect that, to be honest with, with you. I thought Brett Bielman would be a better salesman, but he certainly has, has sold himself through the media as well because that, that sells him through the fans. Can I go on a quick tangent from last week? Uh, what a place at Kendra Green's draft party, man. Oh, what yes, please. Please, what was that, that like? Man, first of all, I didn't ask what his brother does, but – that would be like the nicest house I've ever lived in or known anybody to have ever lived in. What a freaking place. Uh, you know what, man? It was, it was really, really cool. It was, I mean, I was talking to you a little bit during it as we kind of waited and 
like I'm waiting. Like, oh boy, I felt bad for Kendrick. Like every time he'd hit the little ESPN, like the pick is in type deal, all of us got our cameras and put it on him. And I sat there for a while. I'm like, he's going to get a call. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> when like, did you just, start? Like, was it pick 50 or like what? It was the first pick of the day. And like, it was like, all right, man, like, we use every single time. And I told myself, I'm like, I don't need to do this because he's going to get a call. And then I was like, God, what if he doesn't get the call? Then I'm all the way here. I don't even have the freaking moment on camera. What what am I going to do? But uh, like that was a long night for somebody who wasn't getting drafted to the NFL. Just to like as you kind of wait as the tensions, you know, build a little bit. Like, well, dude, I don't know how these guys do it. Like that was and Kendrick just sat there cool as anything, which like it was. It kind of joked with Isaiah and Gay and Jamal Woods both were there. I mean, they're very close with him. So it's Karan Taylor, like. Jeremy, you've covered Kendrick. This dude is like a blast. Like he's always talking. I mean, he has this role in he's some of those ma- magnetic personality. Yeah, man. He was, I mean, quiet. And again, man, that's a lot. I'm not blaming him. It's just, it was just different. And so, it showed how much this is. So like Karan was there. Isaiah Gay's close friend was there. Um, Jamal were, Woods was there. Jamal Woods, close friend. Like, were they chatty or were they all like was it quiet like uh, they, they were talking to each other on the other side of the room and, and like and cron obviously is from peoria so he knew a lot of people maybe that can or that isaiah yeah. and jamal did not know because i mean childhood friends uh but no one really talked to kendrick you know his dad a couple times and i know jamal was texting him a little bit but they, they were talking to each other and you know kind of monitoring it off to the side a little bit but it was you know, it it was going to happen. Like Kendrick was going to get drafted to the NFL, but it was like, is it Friday? Who's it going to be? And you texted me about pick 80 and you started to get nervous. And I was like, like, man, it's just tough. Here's the other thing. Well, cause like we almost felt like we kept hearing, I kept hearing he's probably going to go day two. Like, but it wasn't a guarantee. Some people had like a fourth round grade on him. Some people had like a fifth round grade on him. But, um, you know, other people I knew were really, really high on him. And, you know, I was told a couple of days before from somebody kind of in the scouting industry, yeah, he should probably go third round. And But once it got to 80, it was like, ah, is it going to happen? Is Joey going to have to go back the next day when it's just not as celebratory, right? So, well, so here, here is my really selfish concern. Like I had initially planned on just staying there that night and being with friends and family the next day, uh, fully vaccinated. I felt good doing that. So I just took like a Hawaiian shirt and some shorts. And I'm like, ah, I'll be done with work on Friday. It doesn't matter if I you know what the what the apparel is because I don't have to really like see anybody. And I'm like, oh God, if I have to cover this draft and I look like I just got off of a beach, uh, that, that's probably a little bit of a of an issue. But it, to, to see Kendrick get that call, and you know, Lovey called him in the second round, and a lot you know, everybody in the house TV muted, all eyes on Kendrick, and I'm like, because they can't see us from Lovey. Like maybe Kendrick doesn't understand. Like. Like, did Kendrick think he was going to go top of the third round, right? Because Lovey's calling he, him. I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, yeah, was, and we're, you know, everyone's like looking, and you hear Kendrick kind of cutting it up a little bit. I'm like, damn, dude, he must be really comfortable with like this coach who's taking him because he's really cutting it up here. <laughs> and then he hung out there. I was Lovey. He called me, and, I, and in my mind, I'm like, I know that comes from a good place. Like, I, I know <laughs> it does. There's no doubt in my mind. But man, that is a big phone call to be making on a Friday night as this kid is waiting. Like Ken, uh, Kendrick and, loves Lovey. Like, yeah, I mean, look, man, he, Kendrick he had nothing 
Yeah. And, and again, I, I wouldn't say this if I thought Lovey was just trying to pull a fast one on Kendrick and get his heart racing. He genuinely cared. He called his father afterwards, and those two had a nice conversation. And then the call from Pittsburgh came in, and, you know, first it was kind of a slow play. It's like, okay. Then at that point, it's like, well, nobody's going to freaking call him on draft night unless they're taking him at this point. We've already seen this show once. We're not going to see it again. Uh, so he gets out, and then it just went went absolutely crazy and then man it is a whirlwind after someone gets drafted he was on the phone with you know everybody in Pittsburgh who wanted to know everything about him and he was just in the organization then he had a zoom with with the media and it was really cool for Kendrick man third round pick it's been a, been a little bit since Illinois had that and Kendrick boy he he is a large human being man <laughs> I will tell you what, like we he's only small, see he's, he's like undersized for the NFL, Joey. Yeah, that is what blows my mind because like we've only seen them at a far or through a screen for the last year and a half. And dude, that is a huge human. And so is Isaiah Gay. Yeah, let, Isaiah let, Gay is massive, like just a massive individual. Yeah, let me tell you, like uh, I was at, it was one of the first camps I covered when I took this job. Uh was up in the Chicago suburbs, forgot where it was. Uh, it was an Under Armour camp. And Kendrick Green is there, and you know, being a Peoria kid, I knew him. He had, I think, a bunch of MAC offers at that time. Is is kind of a center uh, in the MAC, and I remember talking to him after the camp, but he was pretty good, but he was kind of small. Like his chest was like, you know, looked like he was in junior high a little bit. He's a bigger kid than me, obviously, but um, he wasn't filled out. And people were like, "Is this guy strong enough?" And then Minnesota offered, and then all of a sudden. Iowa comes in with an offer after he goes off his, his junior year and then Illinois, Notre Dame, like all these big time schools and Brett Bielma down in Arkansas uh, offered him as well. And he just absolutely blew up and he, he bought in the in-state thing. And Illinois was actually doing that well in the first year with Lovey Smith and, and Kendrick was a huge early get and he ends up Lovey Smith's first Illinois draft pick really um, that, that he recruited there. So pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool that uh, kind of comes full circle there. This guy that who was 230, 240 pounds at the time, and now he's like this huge hulking man that's known for his strength and physicality. Pretty cool. I'll tell you, my first year on the beat, it was right after the Larry Boyd had left that off season and and went. And, and the question for me, and I remember driving over there with Mark Tupper, and he was you know catching me up a little bit. I was asking questions like, well, who's going to be the guard? Do you think right? Like. And then just sure as anything, outtrots Kendrick Green. It wasn't even a secret, dude. And it, and it did not even waver, if I remember right. It wasn't like they cycled in X, Y, and Z to, to play guard. It's like, Kendrick Green's our guard, and we're just going to move this thing forward, and this is what it's going to be. And he was a redshirt defensive lineman last year, we know. But this is the plan here, and it freaking worked. It worked, and he made it work. He worked really hard to make it work, and – Got himself in the third round draft pick and a nice, pretty nice payday. All right, Joey, can I ask how you yep. feeling as a Packers fan right now? Oh boy, how much cost? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, not good at all. I would say not good at all, man. Uh, it's it's just a, I feel like it's a matter of time, right? You, those are really, really heavy comments, and, and it's hard to get out of them. For all I know, Aaron Rodgers will like re-sign with the Packers though they'll, they'll make amends he'll get the money or the contract or whatever like Aaron's just playing some long game and to break this on draft night is so Aaron Rodgers who I think like is my favorite quarterback to ever watch like he's just I, I love watching Tom Brady is more decorated has one more he's the goat but I I just love watching Aaron Rodgers and if I had to 
start a team, it'd probably be with him. Um, it's just weird. I, I just love watching him play, even though I'm a Paris fan. But he's a weird dude, and he is so calculated, and he is so vindictive that the quote he gave to Rico about, like, this is not – like, I didn't want it to break that way. BS, man. You wanted to own you that, broke it that way. <laughs> you wanted to own the draft, and you're one of the few guys who could break a story like that and, and have it happen and, and to take over the draft. Um, but I, I, for all I know, like the Bears fan of me that just like Illinois fans feel this way as well, like Aaron Rodgers will be there. He'll be there the next two years and haunt my dreams and beat the Bears every time. And Justin Fields won't work out, right? But for at least this weekend, I felt better about my team than you did, which is like just a, a small little victory uh, that I don't usually get over Packers. Dude, I have no reason to feel like I'm going to get kicked in the shins repeatedly being a Packers fan, yes. but I feel like that. Like, I'm just waiting for this to just completely blow up. And I, I really think it's going to be hard to come back. I just do. I, I think those – he knew what he did. They were heavy comments. It's continued to trickle out over the next few days. Denver didn't take a quarterback. And then in my mind, I got to the point where I was like, freaking trade him. Just get this ninth pick, get as much as you can. Let's just move this thing along. And then after a few minutes, I came back down. And then I thought, boy, this is what Illinois fans are feeling like with this basketball thing. Like you go through all this roller coaster and I don't know, at least they, they drafted, right? I would have liked to see him, frankly, a little bit of a homer because I enjoyed covering. I would have liked to see them take Kendrick with that pick they took the center and guard. Uh, kiss reunion? If I read Kendrick right, I think he maybe thought that could have happened. Uh, he, he did – you know, have a, a little bit of a reaction to that pick. Um, but yeah, him and Luke Buckets could have biked around Green Bay uh, to training camp and, and all of that. Luke loves been, his bike, man. Boy, would it have been beautiful. But uh, does, not, yeah, does not love us media, but he loves that bike. He does. Yeah. yeah. Boy, he'd hang out in a bike store by himself before he talked to us if he didn't have to, man. So, so how, how did you feel when the Bears traded up for Justin Fields? Like hell. It felt like hell. Like, did you actually uh -huh. feel nervous, or are you just like, oh, the Bears will screw it up? Like, it happened, and my buddy is a Packers fan text, and he's like, dude, don't. No. No, don't do it. He's like, just take Mac Jones. I was like, like you probably thought that was actually going to happen because I had a moment. Like, Boy, that'd be sweet if they did that. And then I thought, hey, it'd be a cool intrigue. And then I thought, it's not intriguing if Aaron's gone and they have Justin Fields. That is just misery every freaking Sunday. Because look, man, and, and where we live, Jeremy. Like I, it's not like I can just like avoid, I don't, I'm not one of those fans who's like hates the bears with yeah. every bit of my being, but I don't like them very much. <laughs> and, I, and like living here, you can't get away from it. It's just all over the place. And I understand why. I mean, people we you know, interact with on Twitter and follow on Twitter, you be in the profession or elsewhere. Like they're bears fans. So like a Sunday on Twitter during football season is just like glorious for you. Yeah, this Bears party and then some random 30-year-old complaining the Packers are down by seven in the first quarter and the end is here. But, yeah, I didn't love it, man. And also, I didn't love it because it's a great pick for the Bears. It I, I got to tell you, Joey, that was – this will tell you about my Bears fandom. It was one of my favorite sports moments in a long time. Like, I enjoyed some of the early season stuff where we just kind of, like – we knew this was like, how are we – 
how are we winning these games? Yeah, like yeah. this is so. I kept saying this is the funnest dumb season. Like because we're five and one. It's like this isn't real. We all knew it. And I was like, just have fun with it. Uh, but then when you lose the first round of the playoffs in the Nickelodeon game and you got the twentieth pick, you're just thinking, yeah. oh, we're in purgatory. This is this is my hell, right? Like, and we're not going to get a quarterback in this great quarterback draft. Um, and and every everyone has every reason not to like Ryan Pace or not to like Matt Nagy. But the one thing I've always loved about Pace is, man, he goes for it. He's got conviction. He's aggressive. And he got aggressive for who I think is the right guy. And it Better was hope just, it is, man, because he ain't getting aggressive again in Chicago. If it's well, not. you saw Atlanta take pits, which I would have done too. And then you saw seven go off the board. And it's not Fields. And they don't trade it. And then eight, Carolina takes a cornerback. Nine, Denver. I was like, oh, God, Justin Fields would be perfect there. But Aaron Rodgers, that could be the one spot. It feels like the one spot that makes sense right now. With all the weapons they have, the pass rushers they have, that could be a spot for him. Um, Yeah, so I'm like, get by that pick. Just get by that pick. And he did. And I was like, call 10, 11, 12. Like, do it, do it, do it. And then the Bears come up on the clock. I'm like, this is happening. This is actually happening. And like just how long it took to get to that pick. Um, and you're thinking, it's it's gonna be Mac Jones, isn't it? Like, or, or we're gonna take we're we're gonna take some other position. And then when they actually like after two minutes of the Carlos guy in the military, salute to you, sir. Like it's like, just get the pick, just say it. But like it was like, man, the suspense is terrible, but I hope it lasts. Cause it was just like they finally said it. I I actually let out a scream. I was like we did the thing I want to do. Like this actually, I'm a Bears fan. This doesn't happen. But he is the like he is the quarterback I am most excited about to ever wear a Bears uniform. It was Cutler. It was him. Like Cutler was my guy before that. I was excited about that trade. I would have done it again. Uh, he was so talented. Trubisky. I was like, eh, at least we got quarterback. But is that the guy I want? I don't know. No one felt good about that. I, I was like, no I guess one. we'll find out. It was kind of exciting just to have a quarterback. But I was like. I don't know enough about that guy. I saw Deshaun Watson play so many big games. I, I, didn't, I didn't want Mahomes at the time. I was like, that guy, I don't know. I've never seen him play. Like, So for me, it was like Watson. Um, this one feels like Watson to me. Like, I take the off-the-field stuff. But like, yeah. this this one felt like this is a big game guy. I felt like every other team overthought it, and the Bears didn't. The Bears went, we've seen enough of this guy. Sure, not perfect, but he's, he's going to be a starting good quarterback in the NFL. And with the potential – to be a, the franchise guy we've wanted for a long time. Maybe it don't work out as we hedge again, but I would have gone all in on that guy too. You had to. Where you're at right now, you had to. Or you live in that 20th pick until the end of time, right? I mean, you just – you had to. It's quite a crazy day. Real quick, shout out to Nate Hobbs, man. Fifth-round pick. Did not necessarily anticipate a fifth-round pick, but I'm glad to see him get drafted. He's got Never a doubt, Joey. Never a yeah, doubt uh, over here. <laughs> Good for him, man. He's got every measurable you possibly could want, and we'll see. I, I think a new scheme could be really good for Nate. Um, and obviously, we've seen a lot of really good tape on him, and it's still, you know, the 2020 wasn't great. Um, it's still such a hard season for me, and in all of it, everything that encompassed 2020. I'm not trying to excuse, you know, some of his some of his lapses, but there's certainly enough reasons where you would raise an eyebrow. But good for Nate, man. This fun yeah. weekend, NFL draft. 
Yeah. Just and, dominant and, cycles, dude. And a dude that's overcome so much in his life that uh, it, it's awesome. And, and shouts to his his mom, who's done an unbelievable job with him, and his uncle who passed away earlier this year. That that happened before the season. That he was so close to him, too. So uh, Nate's overcome a lot. So he gets a shot, man. Uh, he's got to get a shot. Obviously, he's a fifth-round pick. Uh, he's got all the talent in the world. So good to see a couple of line I get drafted. And hopefully they get more of that. And hopefully we're doing a big Vidarian Lowe story or, you know, somebody else on this team next year. Cause uh, it's awesome to see those guys uh, realize their dreams. All right, Joey, long one, but I think we covered all the topics. Appreciate it, man. Get some sleep. All right, man. We'll see it. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, we'll get Derek Piper on this podcast. We'll talk more about uh, what Illinois basketball is going through because obviously a big change in that program as well. Thanks for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, give us a follow, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.